<laughs> well, good morning, everybody. Good morning, good morning. Today is a special day. Wow. Uh, that would be a major underestimation of, of my best way to describe There's the day. There's a lot of people here. There is a lot of people here today. Wow. Yes. I got that kind of intro. Yeah. Man, every week that would be awesome. Uh, okay, so for five years, every time I got up here to speak, to preach, to break the word, to give the word, to teach the word, this man would bring me something to drink. Something, whether it was coffee or water or whatever, if I wanted. Diet, cherry, Coke, Pepsi, something, whatever I wanted, he would bring it to me, right? And the one day that Vinny is speaking, we totally dropped the ball in bringing you the, the, the drink. <laughs> My kid got it. But Polly, where's Polly? There he is. That, he came right through and yeah. got you something to drink. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is Vinny Najak. Um, he, uh, <laughs> so, Recently, we have adopted the, uh, how to describe Vinny, um, by saying that he is Conduit's mascot. <laughs> now, uh, why is he Conduit's mascot? What is a mascot? You go to a game or something, right, and you, and you see, like, say you're going to uh, where the mascot's like a, a, a bull, right? Let's say the Chicago Bulls, right? So you have this person dressed up in a bull outfit, and they're, the bull is not this little wimpy baby bull, whatnot. It's this big, strong, loud, doing backflips and dunks and running up and down and getting people hyped up, right? That's why that. it's the mascot. Yeah. But the reason that Vinny is a conduit's mascot is not because he's so loud. Um, it's, it's, not, it's not because he's so big and strong. Um, and literally, if you are holding coffee in your hands today, or if you've ever had coffee or water, it is a big giant thanks to this man that gets here every... He gets here every morning, um, every Sunday morning, before all y'all show up, and he makes sure that everything's ready. Uh, he's even specific on uh, the kind of coffee we like versus what you like and making sure you just you see Vinny back and forth in the back but yet he still stops to give a woo you know like that's his that's his version of amen so if he says something today that you like that you agree with you don't need to necessarily say amen you can say woo all right that's good because that's, that's good. Vinny the mascot now but here's the real reason why I think he is Conduit's mascot um Conduit believes that the gospel changes everything Including broken microphones. Yeah, but I don't need this thing. What? <laughs> just put it, no, you, you absolutely, you absolutely do. So that we can record it. Here, just put it in your, in your pocket like a wallet. All right. In your back pocket. And you then got it recording, that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just put it right in your back pocket. All right. So basically, this is the reason why uh, Vinny is the conduit mascot. We believe that the gospel changes everything. That's, that's why, that's why, yes, that's why Vinny is kind of a mascot. Yeah, he is the very, very clear, as you're going to hear today, yeah. in Vinny's story, he has a very clear depiction of Jesus can do anything 
through anybody. And that no matter True. where you're at in life, no matter what you've done or what you've been through, True. what life has rolled you through, um, Jesus wants to take that very thing and to bring glory to Jesus, to himself, through you. He wants to use you to bring the gospel to other people. He wants to share that good news, that amazing message of the gospel, that Jesus is everything, that the gospel changes us. So that's why I think you are Conduit's mascot. It's because God's done that. And so we want to hear his story. Let's give it up for Vinny Majak. Okay, I've been watching, watching my pastors get ready to preach for a lot of years, so I'm trying to emulate that right now. Getting ready. Getting ready to roll. But before, before we get started, I was going to stand up here and just gaze at you like I was sh shell-shocked. And then say, only kidding, but I, I just couldn't do it. Uh, uh, but uh, before we get started, we are here early today because there's a lot of food going to be served after this. A lot of hamburgers, hamburger bar. Uh, Sally Andriacho, I don't know if everybody knows her, but she's a wonderful cook. She cooked everybody, yes. Yes. Um, there's macaroni salad, potato salad, salsas. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's really, really good looking. I mean, you, we stay and have some. But Sally is also has that heart, and, and she worries, not worries, she's concerned, because Christians, we don't worry. She's concerned about, about our pastors. So she knows Pastor Corey, she knows he has breakfast in the morning. You know, Bree's up, Bree's cooking for him. He's eating. But we're, she was concerned about Cameron, Pastor Cameron. Yes, that he didn't eat. So Sally, out of the kindness of her heart, she made an egg salad sandwich and a pickle. And a pickle for Pastor Cameron. Yeah. But this is, but, no, no, this, this is what I think we should do. I really think we should do this, because if you remember, Pastor Corey, he did one of them debt trust falls or whatever it was. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. And the reason why he had to come up here, because Cameron set it up, to do it again, because when he was in college, they let him fall. They dropped him, so he had no trust anymore yet. So now, I think it is Pastor Cameron's turn to take a trust bite of this egg salad sandwich for everybody. I do. I think it should happen. If you feel a little sick, you run outside, all right? Yes, pickles too. I forgot to tell you. Pickles. Yes, come on, you can do it. Trust bite. Trust bite. You're the best, brother. Does he have to swallow it? Okay, yes. It's gonna happen. Take a picture of this. It's gonna happen. He's a good sport. Come on, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. If, if you guys don't know, he hates this stuff. He hates it. Hates it. But I, I, I think it should happen. I really do. Come on, you can do it. The guy's a ninja. He, he, he's a ninja. He's got a black belt. He can't take a bite of this. 
Yeah, there it is. There it is. You all right. You all right. Take that home with you. Take that home with you. <laughs> okay. In case you're wondering where my shirt's all spotted, it's because I'm sweating. I got my towel like T.D. Jakes. If, if you don't know who that is, he's a big preacher. He's a big, huge preacher. And he sweats like a mule like I do, and he wipes himself constantly. Thank you, brother. I thought, yeah. So but before we get rolling, I wanted to mention what the girls were talking about. Uh, but just what's one thing in particular. We got um, 1,300 chicken quarters we're going to be cooking on June 30th. Um, we're going to feed a lot of families, a lot of children. Um, we need help. There's about four of us that are doing it right now, cooking those birds. Uh, we could use about three to four more guys. If anybody's interested, we're just going to show up here at 6 o'clock in the morning, June 30th, to cook those birds. So please come. We need help. All right? Okay, uh, let's get started. Here we go, huh? A lot of people here. All right. Yeah. All right, so... Uh, I was born to, uh, to two great people, had a great childhood. There was nothing wrong with it. Loved by my mother. Had a father that was a hard worker. Um, was cared for. Uh, everything, everything was good. Um, they were, my mother was Italian. My father was Polish. So that, that ethnic background was just gigantic. You know, it was a great way to grow up. They're hardworking people in their old school. And um, you, you, you showed respect to your elders and all that down the line. I was raised Catholic. I knew about Jesus. Uh, but I didn't understand about a relationship with Jesus. And, and no, nothing against the Catholics. I, 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 I'm not saying anything against them. I, I, I loved going to that church, especially the Latin masses. We used to go to these Latin masses. Didn't understand a darn word of it, but it was just cool to, to listen to it. Um, but uh, I had no idea what a, a relationship with Christ was. Um, to, to grow up with my, my uh, Italian mother like that, um, she was close to her sister. Uh, it's just like an Italian thing, you know what I mean? I and mean, she just hung out with her sister all the time, which meant that we hung out with our cousins all the time. And it was a great way to grow up. It was really a great way to grow up. My cousins are the Andriachos, if you don't know that. Um, and it was just a fun way to grow up. We did everything together. Uh, we had a cabin in Olean, just did everything together. So my childhood was great. Um, and in about third, third grade, start meeting some of my friends. Um, some of them are here today. Um, and and they, they ran the streets with me and did everything with me that I'm going to tell you about today. Um, it, they were good. They were good. They were solid guys, man. Had your back, you know. We had, there was about 10 of us uh, growing up, you know, maybe a dozen. And um, today, today they'd call that a gang. <laughs> we weren't a gang. We were just a group of guys hanging out, a group of friends. And we had each other's back. Uh, um, but in our teens, as we got into our teens, that's when it all started. Uh, and there was no reason for it. It just started. 
You know, um, I, I understand that some people get into things because of, of, of the way they grow up. But see, this is what is important about this. It'll come and get you no matter what. I don't care where you're from. It's coming, it'll come and get you. And we started hanging out with girls. I'm not saying that the girls were the cause of what we did. But, but sometimes they'll make a man do strange things, girls will. Sometimes. And yeah, ooh, is right. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but, but we started to get into drugs. Started to get into drugs, about 14 years old. And uh, hanging out, we used to hang out in these parks. And back then there was the big muscle cars with those four barrels sticking out of the hoods, those big blowers. And uh, yes, and it was, uh, it, it was racing up and down. So we were hanging out all the time. And uh, like I said, with, we had girls with us. And, uh, and, and, and to clarify, I, mean, I wasn't going to get into this, but I got to something out there that's uh, on my mind so people understand that, because I don't know if they do. Marijuana is not a gateway drug. It's alcohol. Our first drug we ever did was alcohol, not marijuana. Alcohol brought us to all the other drugs. So don't let, because it's legal, don't let it fool you. It's a dangerous drug. Dangerous. So here we are just having a blast. Um, things are, you know, for us, things were going good, you know, getting in trouble every now and again. Who got grounded? Who didn't? And just and going, having people back then, people would buy you booze. You hang out in front of the liquor store, and their adults would buy you booze. That's the way it was. And uh, we'd run off with our tango. We used to drink tango, this orange crap with vodka in it, and just have a, you know, have a blast. And um, well, what we thought was fun. And uh, right around 17 years old, I, I met a girl. And she was really like my first girlfriend. And um, uh, like real girlfriend, and started hanging out with her. Um, me and my twin brother worked at Bonanza. I have, uh, by the way, I have an older brother, an older sister, and I had a twin. Uh, he had blonde hair and blue eyes. He's, uh, yeah, he. I was like, it was like night and day. Uh, I won't tell you who night was, but he was day. <laughs> <laughs> I won't tell you that, but. Um, but we worked together at this place, a Bonanza, and uh, it was like a Ponderosa steakhouse. And uh, we get a call from my father on this particular day, and um, he says, come home right away. Come home right after, right after work. I got the loan. He was going for a loan for a business, and uh, he got it. He got the business. So we said, okay, we're going to go celebrate. We're going to celebrate you got this business. Um, and about another hour later, one of his friends come into the to Bonanza and says, come on, boys, we got to go, me and my twin. So we go, what's wrong, you know? So we go, and um, he takes us to this hospital, walk into the hospital, and this doctor approached me and said, your father had passed away. My father had a massive heart attack about 20 minutes after he called us. He didn't take three steps out of that bathroom and dropped dead. Um, it was like someone hit me with a right hook. It just, it just pushed me back against the wall and um, that, was, that was the moment that my life just spun out of control. Uh, my guardrail was gone per se, you know. He was, my father was a disciplinarian. He, he guided us uh, very strongly 
And um, so when he passed, my mother was a mess. You know, Italians, uh, not to be funny, but Italians are very passionate and emotional. And my mother was devastated by the death of my father. Um, so she had no control of me anymore. It, it was gone. And I was gone. And that's when the heavy drug use started, the heavy partying. I mean, just heavy. I was never home. I was always out, and, and I was always out with my girlfriend. Well, you, you're going to hang out with that much at a young age with a girl. Yes, it happened. I got her pregnant. And um, at 18, we got married. Um, it, it, was, it, was, it was difficult. They had a lot of people counseling me, adults, not to do it because uh, uh, they said it, it, it wouldn't work. And, you know, um, at 18, I know everybody here knows it, even the ones that are older like me remember it. Yeah. Like, remember that at 18, you know everything. Everything. No one can tell you you don't, you, you know, no one can tell you anything. You know it. Well, I didn't take the advice. I did what I was brought up to do, to take responsibility for what I did. I married her. We got married, um, prepared to have a baby. But here I am now. It, now life is trying to now showing itself to me. Here I am. I'm living with my mother-in-law. It's crazy. And uh, <laughs> it was crazy. I'm living with my mother-in-law. I'm working at Bonanza, making minimum wage, and back then, minimum wage, I think, was a buck seventy-five, and I don't know what it was, um, but it was a very minimal, minimum wage. And, uh, and um, so having this child didn't add up. So we're, 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 now we're talking about adoption, and we're going to do it. We went to a social worker. They never counseled us to to not do what, to adopt. So here we are, we're gonna do this. We're gonna have, I had no job. And in the meantime, I was searching for work. I was applying, a lot of factories around where I lived, Chevy, Dunlop, DuPont, I mean, tons of factories. Um, the steel mills were still uh, operating and still going strong, kind of. And, um, but nothing was happening. Nothing was, uh, there was, I wasn't getting anything. So we decided to do it. Well, on a, Beautiful Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, she went into labor, and we go to the hospital. Now, like I was telling you how close that my mother was with her sister, my aunt, um, Nick's mom, so you get the correlation. Um, my mother was working, so my aunt went with me. She was like my second mother. She did, if my mother couldn't do something, she did it. Um, so she went with me, and there we are, you know, my, my wife at the time, she was uh, going to give birth, you know, in the, in the birthing room. Um, me and my aunt were sitting in the waiting room, and we were the only two people there. Now, this is a God moment, my first God moment. Because what we want to happen today, what, what, what I want to show you today is the awesome love of our Father for us. It's, it's like unbelievable. Yes, woo, it's like unbelievable. So this is the first God moment of my life that I remember. Other than breaking the womb and getting born, you know what I mean? So, so was I supposed to say that? Is that okay? 
Don't email my pastors, please. Don't email them. So, yeah, I even did this, didn't I? And, uh, and, uh, and uh, so <laughs> your eyes just rolled up in your head, Pastor Cam. No. All right, let me get back on track here. So we're just sitting there hanging out, you know, waiting, because she's going under. She can't see the baby. The, 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 the social worker's there waiting for me when the baby's born to sign papers, and the adoptive parents are right around the corner, okay? All this is waiting to happen. Well, there's a payphone in this waiting room. Now, remember, it's a Saturday afternoon, beautiful day, summer day, or fall day, I should say. It's fall day. And because um, she was born on September 19th. So, um, so uh, we're just sitting, and now the phone, this pay phone, that's those old ones with the bifold doors, the wooden paint, you know, remember the dime? And um, it starts to ring. Okay, so we thought it was, you just didn't think nothing about it. But this phone, Never stopped ringing. This phone rang, and I'm not kidding you. As I'm standing here, I'm not kidding you. This phone rang for 20 minutes, nonstop, just rang. Finally, my aunt, we look at each other. She goes, answer the phone. So I did. Answer the phone. Get the phone. Hello? Hello, it's Vince Majak there. I was like, holy cow. I said, yeah, this is me. They said, this is Dunlop calling. We want you to start work on Monday. I said, you've got to be kidding I ran out of that payphone. Okay, I'll be there. Bing. I ran out of that payphone. I said, my aunt said, what's going on? I said, I got a job. I got a job. We're going to keep the baby. I run out. She just gave birth. She's, well, I don't want to scare the younger girls, but she's like shaking all over the place. <laughs> like they go into women, I don't know, they go into uh, a shock, a body shock, shaking all over the place. And I'm telling her, I'm says, we're going to, we're going to keep the baby. I got, I got a job. We're going to keep the baby. Well, the, the social worker's there. Big woman. And, um, yeah. And, um, and, yeah, she was. She was big. Scary. As 18, you know what I mean? Um, and she's telling me, I can't do this. I have to sign these papers. And I said, no, I'm going to keep. She's making me. She's going to make me sign these papers. And being 18, I'm not going to say no because she's pressuring me was it, it's it's just like god to put everything into place every person that's needed to make a situation happen everything is in place my aunt comes up grabs this woman takes her down the hall and she kept on walking <laughs> now being italian i don't know what my aunt says to this woman you know i have no clue maybe she made her an offer she couldn't refuse <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but, but she kept walking, and we kept our child, and she's here today. She's here today. So if you don't mind, I'd like her to stand up and wave to everybody. Please, Teresa. Got her to, got her, was able to walk her down the aisle. I mean, that is a God moment. Who, what corporation does anybody know is going to let a payphone ring for 20 minutes? It's not happening. 
on a Saturday to boot. It's not happening. That was all Jesus. That was all the Father. And why? After a while, after I say why, you're going to know that you can yell it out. Why? Because of the awesome love of the Father for us. It's just amazing what he does. What he'll do, what his love will do to change a life. Now, you got to understand, I was 18. I'm 58 now. It takes a while for some of us to get to a certain point with Jesus. Doesn't just happen like that. I'm one of those people, if you can believe it. So um, now nah, life goes, you know, life goes on, you know, got our baby, everything's good. But the drugs don't stop. The women don't stop. I went to work, I had a job, bought a house at 22. During a time when the, when the mortgages were 20%, if you guys remember the older people in this room, 20% back in the 80s. I mean, that was a recession. You waited for gas in line. I bought, I got a Sunny May for 13 and three quarters. People would fall over backwards now if they had to pay a 13 and three quarter mortgage. We were happy. Bought a house at 22, two cars in the driveway. Dunlop was good. All the overtime you could work. I was making, back then, 45,000 straight time, 60 grand with, with, with overtime. No problem. 60,000 then, 20 some years ago, probably like 100,000 today, I don't know. But I was make, we were making some good money. And I took all that money and I partied it. A lot of drugs. Now, it wasn't just alcohol and, and um, marijuana. Oh, <laughs> silly me. I smoked cigarettes too. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't just that, that. Now the cocaine starts to come. That's, that's just, it's that, that time, that's that time period. Cocaine was a very popular drug. I think it's heroin now killing our kids. And that's why we need Jesus in our lives. But, so all that, you know, that's starting to happen. She's not happy. Who would be, right? And um, now she approaches me, she wants a divorce. Well, being Italian, they're coming from that kind of background, even though I was fooling around and deserved everything that was coming to me, I did not want that divorce. I didn't feel like I deserved it. Uh, stupid man, right? And um, that's just what was that. And in the, now, after we get into this, after we're into this, this divorce thing, and, um, and, and it's amazing how life just comes after you sometimes. It just comes. And if you're doing all these drugs, partying like crazy, cheating on your, on your woman, uh, handling all this other stuff is not helpful. Because you just can't, you know, you can't balance everything. Now I get a call from my twin brother, and he tells me, He's got AIDS. Well, at that time, the only thing I knew about AIDS is you die. That's all I knew about it. Now here he is, 25 years old. He's got AIDS. Yeah, his, his route was different than mine. He explored different things. I don't have to draw you a map. You all know what it is. I didn't explore those things. I explored women and drugs. Well, my brother, my twin, he just explored them and then changed his life. Married, two kids, 
You know, it was just what he explored. Teach his own, I guess, right? But he's now going to pay dearly for what he explored. So now things are getting totally out of control. I am dropping into the pits. I, I am, I'm, I'm going crazy, going crazy. Still, now it's just like I was hammering the drugs, going after it more and more and more because I wanted that pain to be gone. I didn't want to deal with it anymore. Go more and more. This one Saturday, my wife, still married, uh, we go to her company picnic and um, things just exploded. And we go home. Now my kid, my daughter's eight. My son, he's here too. Would you like to see him? Yeah. My older son? Stand up, then. And, uh, and you guys all know Polly. He's a real quiet kid, like me. Yeah. And um, we go home. I am at my wit's end. Brother, and I'm not making excuses. I'm just telling you what's happening. Brother dying, going through a divorce. I'm drugging like crazy. I got women that, 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 that it's, it's, it's just, I'm ready to explode. And, um, and obviously, I don't know Jesus that well. And, um, but, this, you'll see. And um, we go home, and we're, the argument just, just goes berserk. I mean, I go berserk. And I went, and I got a 12-gauge shotgun in front of my children, in front of my wife, sat there with it in my mouth, wanting, with my finger quivering over that trigger. And guys know how light that trigger is. And, and maybe some women. It's a very light thing. You don't need a lot of pressure. And um, I don't know what I wanted. I don't know what I was looking for. I, I, I didn't want to die. I didn't want to die. But I don't know what I was looking for. I was crazy. I was crazy. Maybe a nervous breakdown was happening. I don't know. But out of the chaos of that moment, I hear a voice. And it wasn't Jesus. It was my eight-year-old daughter saying, no, Daddy, don't. And I didn't. Praise the Lord. Got my daughter to open her mouth and tell me she loved me. Now, maybe that's all I wanted to hear. I don't know. But I didn't do it. Obviously, I'm standing here. Um, what effect it had on her, I don't know. She's got five kids she's taking care of, a wife. She's an engineer. So I don't know if it, she's a strong person. Strong person. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, just a little tear at that moment. And, um, but, um, you know, I got divorced after that, obviously. It was over. Um, tried to, you know, get my life back together. But guess what? Still drugging. Still doing it. I mean, at that, you know, this is the funny thing about Jesus. Now, it's not funny. It's, it's not a funny thing. But this is what he does. I mean, at that moment, I'm covered in crap. Right? Covered in crap. Um, I'm dirty. I'm filthy. Um, 
when I used to be with other women outside my wife, I'd go home and I'd want to scrub. It wasn't the woman's fault. I wanted to scrub off what I was feeling, and I couldn't because what I was feeling was inside of me, not outside of me. I couldn't get it off. And, um, but here's the amazing thing about Christ. I'm going to get a little animated for you. Um, here's the amazing thing about Christ. He don't, he don't look and say, oh, jeepers, Vinny, you're filthy, dirty. Get yourself cleaned up, and then I'll come back. He doesn't do that. What he does is this. He, when you're down in the, in the, in the, in the, in the gutter, in the, in the, I want to say S-H-I-T, but I won't. <laughs> oh, I spelled it. I spelled it. When you're in there, when you're in that, I mean, I don't know how many of you have been in it, but I bet you it isn't just been me. When you're in that, this is what he does. This is what he does. This is what he does. It's right down with you in the crap. All over him. With you. And he's like this. Come on, Vinny. Come on, I got you. Come on, get up. Come on, get up with me. I got you. And he lifts you out of that crap. That's what he does. And why does he do it? Because of the awesome love of the Father for us. That's why he does it. That's why he went to the cross. This is what he does. This is why, I don't know, I, I, don't, I have no clue why it took me so long to understand this. Some people say, you know, hypocritical, whatever, because when I first became a Christian, and I'll get to that part, I still was doing my drugs. But I don't, I don't know if he ever really cared about the drugs. All he cared about was me. He didn't care about those drugs. He cared about me. So, like I said, I got divorced, and Dunlop, and believe it or not, some of those factories, uh, there, there's a plethora of drugs in those factories. And yeah, believe it or not. And um, you know, I felt like a guy, there was a commercial, and I felt just like that back when I was uh, 20, it was a round room, a guy walking in a round room, and all he said was, I gotta work more overtime to make more money to buy more cocaine. That was his life, and that's what I was doing. That was it. That's what I was doing, making tons of money, paying my bills, but I was, I was uh, doing drugs. So right around this time, um, my, my, my brother's still sick. He's still fighting AIDS. Uh, the drugs he's taking are going to kill him anyways. They're so toxic to his body because he was like a guinea pig. You know, it was news back then. So they're just finding out what these drugs are going to do. So he's still fighting that. Um, my, me and my friends, you know, we're still hanging. They still got my back. They took me through the divorce. And one of my friends are here today. Yeah, he is. His name is Jim Schleck. Known him since the third grade. Love him. You want to see him? Yeah. He's right here. Yeah. A real, uh, let me get off the subject just for a minute. A real uh, quick story. His father got me the job at Dunlop. His father. I call him up at the time I got the job. Now, Dunlop seniority. Seniority, if you don't, all don't know, means a lot in those factories. With job, everything, your pay grade, everything. I call him up. I says, Mr. Schleck, thank you for the job. I got the job. He goes, what? 
I said, I got the job. He goes, I'll call you back. Bing, he hangs up on me. I said, what the? <laughs> well, his own son didn't get the job before me. God is good. He plays jokes on us sometimes still. Yeah, his own son don't get the job. So what does he do? He calls Don. I said, what are you doing? My son's get the job before Vinny. Well, I got, he, about a week later, he got hired. Well, guess what? I got a week more seniority. Whenever I had the chance, I bumped him, man. I used to ride past him or walk past him and say, hey, tell your old man. I said, thank you. <laughs> Throw stuff at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but this is a side story. All right, so let's get back on track. Um, so, yeah, we, you, know, you know, getting over, uh, getting through the divorce, um, believe it or not, became a better father to my children, um, coming to grips with that fatherhood. Uh, I was very selfish. I was 18, very selfish man. I don't think I stopped being selfish till I was 40, but that's another thing. But, um, um, you know, calling them every day, um, those, that five-second, ten-second phone call meant so much to them, and, and it meant so much to our relationship. That's why we have a good one today. And had them every other weekend, and, and you know, trying to just get uh, make life uh, normal again, if you can imagine. And um, now, my, now things are happening. There's strange things. These, these, my cousin's wives and my cousin's, the girls, they st it was all the girls, started to get saved. Yeah. These are the people I partied with. Sorry, Nick, I didn't mean to throw you into the mud with me. <laughs> but these are people I partied with. They're getting saved. They're coming up to me. I had people in Dunlop, these guys in Dunlop, and I, I think some of you can relate to this. I had these guys in Dunlop coming up to me, these Bible f telling me about brimstone and how I'm going to go to hell because I'm snorting coke. And that might have been true, but I didn't want to hear it. All right? I didn't want to hear it. So I used to push them out of my way. Nothing against them. Knew the Bible front cover to back. But they didn't, they didn't deliver what I was wanting or what I needed. But my cousins, they were delivering it. The love of Christ. The love of Christ. They were saying this to me, how much. I said, let's go out. No, no, what you want to be filled with is not alcohol. It's the love of Jesus. I said, what? You know, all this is it's starting to come. It's starting to come. And um, I don't know if I was buying it, but I was listening. And uh, now, now, now he's even getting, Jesus, I'll tell you something else. Now he's even getting, you know, he's sending men to me at Dunlop, men that I respected, strong men, and telling me, they're, now they're telling me about the love of Christ. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm starting to hear this love. I mean, like I said, the love of the Father is awesome. Changes people, changes people. I don't care if you're just hearing it or around it. It's going to rub off on you eventually. It's going to come into your life. You're going to feel it. And um, so I, you know, it's just starting, starting to happen. Um, starting to think. Um, still going out, doing drugs, chasing women, still doing all that. Um, but, but I'm starting to hear stuff. So, like, you know, it, things are just happening like that. I'm like in a standstill. All of a sudden, one day, I'm at a bar. Here's another God moment. Another God moment. I'm at a bar. 
And this is crazy. This is totally crazy. This bar, big parking lot. It was on the, it was on the uh, river. I forgot what it was. Some bar, you know. It's huge. The parking lot was gigantic. Fit thousands of cars. I'm out doing drugs, partying, chasing women. Well, I still remember what this woman looked like. Still remember to this day what this woman looked like. Blonde. She comes up to me, beautiful. She comes up to me. She goes, I got what you're looking for. Follow me. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh cheapers. I went. <laughs> I went. <laughs> you know what I mean? I put down my drink even. Boom. So here we go. We follow, I follow her. I'm walking behind her. She takes me to the far end of that parking lot. I was like, it got ridiculous after a while. But, but she was pretty, so I was following. Didn't matter how far I had to walk. And um, she gets to her car. Guess what her car was? A white Mustang. Oh. What's it say in Revelations? I think it says this. He's coming back on a white horse. Okay? <laughs> I don't realize this till later on, but it was a white Mustang. She opens the trunk, grabs something, turns around because I can't see it, and puts a Bible in my hand. I got the Bible, I'm kidding you not, I still got it. Okay? Still got it. Now I looked down at this Bible, and I was like, are you joking? It's like someone put a pin in a balloon. Boom. <laughs> That's okay, right? I say that? Yes? Okay. I, I, I look up, and this is the miraculous thing. She was gone. She wasn't there anymore. That's a huge parking lot. She didn't run all the way to that door. She was gone. I think it was an angel. So that's why I'm excited about going to heaven, because angels are pretty. <laughs> they are very pretty. And yes, I'm going to hang out with Jesus, but I'm going to hang out with them angels, too. So, so, <laughs> so, like I said, now we're, now we're closing in on um, the death of my brother. He died November 3rd, 1990. Passed. I was there. Praise the Lord. Um, I used to go down every other week, every, every, every weekend. When I had my kids, I brought them, remember? And uh, we'd go down and take care of them. Then I got into painting his house. We'd just do whatever made him happy. It was getting really weak. It was tearing him up. Um, and I, witnessing this, witnessing what he, and I'll tell you this right now, I wouldn't change it for the world. I'm glad I danced that dance with him. I'm telling you right now, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad God had me there. Um, so, long story short, I'm starting to pray. I'm on my knees praying for his healing, praying for him. Um, I'm, I, I, about a year before he passed, I got on my hands and knees because I was breaking down again and gave my heart to Christ. Yes. 
And um, it was great. But, you know, I, the funny thing is, I thought you had to do it every time you sinned. You had to come back and give your heart to Christ again. You know, this is what I thought, but you don't. You give it to once, and God's going to carry you the rest of the way. He's going to finish the work he started. He's going to finish it. And, um, but um, that day he passed, that day he passed. It was sad. It was a sad day. It was, uh, but it was a good day because he was in a lot, a lot of pain and stuff. But, you know, I asked God, what, I mean, I, I, you're a God that gives things to people. You, you, I, why didn't you, why didn't you hear me? Why didn't you answer my prayers? It wasn't for a couple years after his death that he did hear me. He healed him. He, he took him home. My brother's never going to feel an ounce of pain again. So God answers prayers. It may not be what we think or how it should be, but he answers prayers. Why does he answer prayers? Okay, you can say it. Because of the awesome love of the Father for us. That is why he answers prayers. So, now I get this, this voice in my head. Didn't know it when you, when you become a Christian, you start getting voices. That was, voices are starting to happen. And um, I'm starting to go to church. I'm going to a Baptist church for a Bible study. I'm going to a Pentecostal church for, uh, for worship. And I'll tell you, I went downtown Buffalo all black church, I was the only white guy there, and these people can praise the Lord, these Pentecostals. <laughs> they just hoot and holler, man. Ah, they're screaming, I mean, just screaming. And, uh, but, so, um, oh, I only got four minutes, so I'm gonna hurry up. Um, I didn't know you could talk so darn long, but you can. All right, um, yeah, so, uh, where was I, where was I? Oh, saved, right. So I get this voice. You gotta leave your job. Go to Chautauqua. I said, what? 60 grand a year, I gotta go? I said, no, I, I pushed it off, pushed it off. Well now, crap at work is starting to happen. I'm getting in trouble. I'm getting, I'm getting in a, f a fight with this guy. Fight, remember what? Fight with this guy. Yeah, he remembers. Um, the pinnacle, the whole thing, and that's how God works. He, the situations start occurring. So he, either you're going to move for God or he's going to move you. Well, I wasn't moving, so he's moving me. It's happening. And, 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 and now I get to this one situation. This guy calls my sister a bad name. I grab him by the throat. I'm choking him. I, was, I wanted to choke the life right out of him. And um, because, that, you know, when you're in those situations, someone calls your family that 14 other guys are looking at you, seeing how you're going to react. Well, if I don't react, then them 14 guys are going to have leeway to say what they want. Well, that ain't happening. So I got him. Long story short, I get fired. I have to sign this letter called a death letter. They called it a death letter because no one survived it. You sign it, you get fired. So I knew right then and there my days were numbered. I'm out. And I walked into that guy's office, and I gave my months uh, a notice and um, left Dunlop. Came down here. Bought a house, small little house. People would have called it a dump. I called it a mansion. It was just a one-bedroom house. It was beautiful. My cousins helped me fix it up. Um, got it worse, start working for my cousins, start managing their kitchen. Uh, they gave me a job. Life was good, man. But the only thing I didn't know 
that cagey, rotten Satan knocks on your door no matter where you're at. Even here in the beautiful countryside of Chautauqua, Satan knocked on my door. Guy walked in with an eight ball of cocaine, started doing it all over again. Here I was running from it, but it followed me. Start doing it all over. Still say, in my, I'll tell you this right now. In my heart, I believed 100% I was a saved Christian, no matter that I was doing those drugs. He's working on me. Well, my cousin's wife, Jill, has this notion. She wants to introduce me to a wholesome, beautiful woman, God-fearing woman. And she did. And she's here today. You want to see her? Stand up. Yeah. So, yes, I get married to her. Yeah, life is good. God gave me a beautiful blonde, just like the angel I met. And, um, yeah. And, um, you know, life is just good. One day I look around, and, and we had another a kid. We we're one of those situations, yours, mine, ours, and when you have Jesus in your life, it don't matter. Anything can work, and it's working. Yes. And um, we had another another son, and it's Polly, and you guys all know Polly. Do you want him to stand? Polly, stand up. So we have Polly. God is good. I look back, I'm looking around, I'm here I am. I'm not going to any more bars. It just happened. It wasn't like this big revelation. It just happened. I'm not going to any more bars, not chasing any women, and I'm not doing any more cocaine. It's like, wow, yeah, woo. But I'm still drinking a little bit, smoking dope, and smoking cigarettes, okay? Uh, and I thought dope was cool. You know, it's natural. You know what I'm saying? It's natural. And uh, yeah, 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 God put it here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's my justification I'm working on, you know what I mean? God put it here. And, uh, and, and be honest with you, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. I truly liked it. Truly liked it. So you, you ask my kids, they know. I truly liked it. Can't hide things from your children. That's one thing I learned. Can't hide things from your children. I think they found out at 12 that I was doing it, and I thought I was hiding it. But so... Life goes on, you know, things are, uh, uh, now we, we're going to church at a Baptist church. Now Carol tells me about the small church with 12 people in it called Conduit. Let's go to it. I said, no way. See, all these freaky things, all these things you can't believe God puts in your path. I says, no, I'm not going to Conduit. Oh, yeah, you'll love it. Bible preaching, you know the guy, Ben Gearing. I says, I no, I'm not going. So there you go. Finally, one day I come. I never left. Loved it. So things are going good. Things are back to going good. Still smoking dope. About two weeks before the 13th of September, I was out in my yard getting high. Because I got high all the time. Seven days a week, all day long. Loved it, like I said. Um, but... This, this voice again was happening, telling me, I want you to do something for me. I want you to give your testimony. But you can't, because you get high. Never said that, I want you to stop smoking dope. Just said, but you can't, because you get high. 
I could hear it. You know, it's not like someone's talking to you. It's like your brain, you know, so everybody knows. I'm not crazy. It's like, well, maybe a little crazy, but it's like your brain's talking. So I got to just pass it off. So about two weeks before the 13th, I praised the Lord. And this is what I said to him. I said, thank you, Jesus. You're a great God. You're an awesome God. You, you took away all this crap from me, and you allowed me to smoke dope. You are awesome. I love you. Two weeks later, I'm at work. I had a massive heart attack. I'm not saying that being he threw it on me. I'm saying that this was going to happen, and he allowed it to happen because he knew that was the only way I was going to see that I should stop smoking dope. So it was a bad one, very close to death. Family's all distraught. I don't know because I don't know. You know what I mean? I'm out. Um, there was a joke I told. Can I tell the joke right before surgery? No? Can I tell the joke? No. Darn it. Even if I got consent from the parents? All right, I, I can't tell the joke. Well, I told the joke before surgery. Pastor uh, Corey was there. Pastor Corey's laugh is so, if you ever heard it, so infectious. Um, he, he was laughing that hard. That was the last thing I heard. So his laugh. Coming out of surgery, I don't know nothing because I'm out. Uh, I was out for four days. Four days. Doctor approached my wife, said, uh, have no clue if he's going to make it. Um, oh, there you are, Pastor Corey. I shouldn't tell the joke? No? All right. All right. So, uh, didn't know we were, I was going to make it. Told her that. If I made it to Sunday, I had a chance. Um, she called my cousin Nick. He came down to talk to me, even though I couldn't hear him. Uh, but maybe I did. I don't know. Talk some life into me. It worked, Nick. Thank you. And, um, and I, uh, you know, I, I didn't have no life experience. I saw lights. I didn't see any of that stuff. And um, I opened my eyes on Sunday. And uh, the first thing out of my mouth, I talked to my wife. She called. And it was like just coincided there. And uh, I told her, I said, the Lord saved my life again, again. I said, he pulled me out of death. I said, he wants me to do something, and I know what it is, this testimony. And um, thanks to the pastors that they allowed me to do this. And um, uh, it was a tough go. It was a tough ride. I, uh, it took scripture to pull me out of it. I got, I got some right here. Just let me, let me get to it. Took, took scripture to pull me out. It's amazing what the gospel can do for you when you're in trouble. Read the gospels, boy. It'll, it'll, it'll send you in the right direction. It really does. And this was right after my heart attack. John 11, verses 1 through 4. Because I'm like, I don't know, you never want to have a heart attack. But when you do and they open you up like a deer, when they put you back together, you're like a mess, weak as can be. You think you're like 85 years old, you know. Nothing against 85-year-olds, but that's the way I felt. <laughs> you know, couldn't do nothing. It's like, is this, the, this is what I got? This is what, he, this is what he told me. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, Mary and her sister Martha. 
It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Snap me right out of it. It wasn't about my sickness. It was about God being glorified through it. Why did he save my life? Go ahead, you can say it. Because of the awesome power, the awesome love of the Father for us. That's why. So, I have quit, and you can clap for this, because this is large. I have quit smoking marijuana and cigarettes since September 13th, 19, or 2017. Yes. I never thought I could enjoy anything without marijuana. Boy, was I wrong. Things are a little bit clearer now. Put it this way, a buddy of mine, a buddy of mine, who's here? You want to see him too? Jim Mayshark, stand up, please. Jim Mayshark. I used to, I hung with him and I missed constantly deer hunting. I'd get stoned all day long in them woods. And Jim used to say to me, do you think you smoke a little bit too much pot? And I'd say, no, 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 no. Well, I, got, I killed a deer this year. Yeah, yeah. So it was better, yeah. So, Jesus, at that moment in time, got my heart. I gave it to him fully. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that need to be straightened out. Like I said, he'll never give up on you. He's going to finish the work he started. And, uh, and, um, but it's a, it's, it's, it's a great thing. It's a great thing. It's something I recommend for everybody. Um, at this time... I'd like to play you a song, a real quick song. It's a song that I listened to when I first became a Christian that really touched my heart, and I said I want to be that kind of Christian. I'm way over time, but I'm sorry about that. Um, um, so, Jake, if you play that song, you guys can stand up, sit down, I don't care what you do. It's a great song. Bob Carlyle sings it, Butterfly Kisses. That guy. And sing if you want to. Go ahead.
song that song is like an anthem to me I want to be that Christian that says yes to Jesus no matter what he wants me to do especially like today way out of my comfort zone I love to hug and kiss in the back and say hello to people this is way beyond me but and I, I hope that someday if not already that you've already said yes to Christ to follow him it'll be the best thing you ever do if you want to do it today we have our pastors up here They'll be more than happy to pray with you. Anybody will pray with you. Do it. It's great. Before we leave, before the worship team comes up, as they start coming up, I want to bless this church with a blessing that Moses told Aaron to give in Numbers 6, verses 24 to 26. Moses told Aaron to bless the children of Israel with this blessing. And before I do this, I want to thank everybody for coming. Thank you for allowing me to do this. I really appreciate it. Remember this. The Father loves you immensely. His love will change your life. Don't be afraid. Get after it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. I love you guys.